0: Take your Bibles please and turn to Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah chapter 6. We are working on memorizing some scripture out of 2 Second, uh, Second Peter, 2 Second Peter chapter 1. We have worked on verses 3 and 4 and now we're working on verses 5 through 7. So I trust that as you're at home and working on your own devotions, that you will take opportunity to at least read this passage of scripture over and over and over again so that you can apply it to your heart and live it out through your lives. Now, as we get to verses 5, 6, and 7, there are challenges for us. Because the writer, Peter, tells us that there are some things that ought to be sequenced in our lives. We start with faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And these things need to be lived out because the scripture says, if these things be in us, we're bound. We can be fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But if they don't, we're barren. And so let's work on these verses just a little bit this morning. We'll start with a reference, 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. We'll read the verses together and then we will finish again with the reference. Here we go. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. For this very reason... Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 7. Work on these verses. They'll be a blessing to you. And I trust that they will encourage you as we seek to apply them to our hearts and live them out through our lives. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you so much for this time that we can gather in this place. We thank you for the time of singing and sharing together. We thank you for the time of stewardship. We thank you for the many service opportunities that we have to be able to encourage our hearts and make a difference in lives that... Around us, We thank you for our time of prayer, our our time of supplication, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we can present our requests to you, knowing that you understand every need in our lives. And Father, this morning as we come to the time of study, time of opening your word and using these truths to help us to grow in grace and in knowledge of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray that your Spirit would guide and direct us into truth, we pray, Father, that we would indeed understand that we are people of the book, a book that has been written so that we might understand what doctrine is, what reproof is, correction, instruction in righteousness, as we grow and mature, being truly furnished unto all good works. We love you, Father, and we thank you for this time together, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Nehemiah chapter 6, now if you have a Bible like I have. Right above the chapter, it says this, conspiracy against Nehemiah. Now, I want you to know that that's not an inspired part of the text, but it tells us a little bit about what's coming. The Bible is a wonderful book to read. It is an exciting book to read, and it gives to us some real dynamic as we look into the lives and principles of people. Now, as I use the word conspiracy here, I'm not talking about something that happened in Roswell, New Mexico, where the aliens landed. I'm not talking about perhaps thinking that John F. Kennedy was killed from a grassy knoll. I'm also not talking about the theories that tell us that the moon landing in 1969 was all fake. You can find all that stuff on the Internet. But that's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is a battle that takes place in our lives that took place in the lives of a lot of God's people that we need to be aware of so that we can come out victors. First John says, greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. Do you believe that this morning? Do you believe that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness? Verses that we have worked on out of 2 Peter chapter 1. Do you believe that this morning? And you believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we'd ask or think, no matter what the challenges in our lives? I believe that too. And we see that evidenced in the lives of God's people, even though they are under attack. Job was under attack. You remember Satan went before God and asked permission to touch Job. And he was under attack, but he came out the victor. You'll remember that Joseph was under attack. A conspiracy of his brothers who sold him into slavery in Egypt. Daniel was under attack. Remember that? There were those who wanted him thrown into the lion's den, and yet he came out the victor. Jesus was under attack. The scribes and Pharisees wanted to destroy him. In fact, they finally put him to death, which was God's plan all along. But he was under attack. Remember Paul? Paul? Paul was under attack and had to escape Antioch and had to escape Jerusalem because there were those who would kill him. Here in Nehemiah chapter 6, Nehemiah is under attack. And we discover that there is a real conspiracy that is taking place. And as I have tried to get another block to help us in building our lives, I'm going to very candidly call it The Plot. You ever think you're plotted against? You ever think somebody's out to get you? You ever think our culture is out to get you? You realize that Satan is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour? You understand that Satan is a liar, the father of lies? He is the prince, the power of the air, the one that works in the sons of disobedience? Folks, even in the comforts of these United States of America, we as Christians are under attack. Now, I'm convinced that one of Satan's greatest tools for us is that we're very comfortable, thank you very much. We've seen a lot accomplished. But until God takes us home, we still have a job to do. And we must understand what the attacks are as we recognize how to be victorious in the battle. There is indeed a conspiracy in our lives. Now a conspiracy can be defined as an act of secretly planning to do something that is harmful or illegal. Nehemiah finds himself in the midst of a conspiracy. Nehemiah chapter 6, are you there? Verse 1. Now when Samballot and Tobiah and Gershom the Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I had built the wall and there was no breach left in it, although up to this time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambalat and Gershom sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together at Hapakurim. In the plain of Ono. But they intended to do me harm. And I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? And they sent to me four times in this way. And I answered them in the same way. In the same way, Sambalat, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter in his hand. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gershom also says it, that you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you are building the wall. And according to these reports, you wish to become their king. And you have also set up prophets to proclaim concerning you in Jerusalem. There is a king in Judah, and now the king will hear of these reports. So now come and let us take counsel together, then I sent to him, saying, No such thing as you say has been done, for you are inventing them out of your own mind. For they all wanted to frighten us, thinking their hands will drop from the work and it will not be done. But now o God strengthened my hands. Now when I went into the house of Shema, the son of Delah, son of Metcala, who was confined to his home, he said, Let us meet together in the house of God within the temple. Let us close the doors of the temple, for they are coming to kill you. They are coming to kill you by night. And I said, Should such a man as I run away? And what man such as I could go into the temple and live? I will not go in. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him. But he had pronounced the prophecy against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. For this purpose he was hired, that I should be afraid and act in this way in sin. And so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, O oh my God. According to these things that they did, and also the prophetess, Noadiah, and the rest of the prophets who wanted to make me afraid. Do you hear the intrigue? Do do you hear the challenges that were made to the work of God? Do you recognize that the enemy is on the attack and is trying to destroy and defeat the work that God has called them to? As you hear that, perhaps you recognize that these are the same old players, those who have been at it before. In, in fact, Sam Ballot, Tobiah, and Gershom were all identified back in chapter 2. We saw them again in chapter 4. And their whole desire was to destroy the work of God at any price. Now, I want to stop right there and just remind you that the same old players are involved in the 21st century. As they have been throughout all time. We battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they are out to destroy our testimony. They're out to destroy God's work. They're out to defeat the cause of Christ. They're out to do anything that they can do to stop what God is trying to accomplish for His kingdom. It's same old, same old. Some of us have become very concerned about recent Supreme Court rulings that have been passed down, Supreme Court rulings that define same-sex unions. I can't call them marriages. But you know, that's same old, same old. That's just immorality in a different set of clothes. That's just a violation of, of God's truth. That's the same thing that's been happening for centuries. It should not surprise us. It's just a different bunch of clothing that's out there. Clothing that is designed to make error acceptable. And to defeat the truth of God's word. So as you read this passage of scripture, understand. That you and I are under attack also. And we are fighting against the same kinds of things that Christians throughout all centuries have battled. We need to understand that there is a prince power of the air. One who works in the children of disobedience. And we need to be able to take on to us the whole armor of God. That we may be able to fight against the wiles. Same old, same old wiles. Same old, same old tricks. Same old, same old stuff of the devil. The things that he tried to pull and that he did pull on Eve back in Genesis chapter 3, Garden of Eden. Are the same kinds of things that we have today. Now as we think about these things, we need to recognize that God's work is important. And that God's work will Go on. Carson has written in the application Bible that they were unable to stop the work on the wall through depression internally. Satan resumes his attack externally. The same is still true. Satan never gives us a good day. Think about that. Do you know that? He just keeps pounding and hounding those who would undertake any work of flesh. Now, I want to share with you this morning three tactics that Satan uses in order to destroy the work of God. Let me give them to you, and then we're going to go look at them individually. And then next week, we are going to look at them in light of all of Scripture and how Satan uses those tactics around us in specific ways. The first tactic is this. He tries to distract us from the task. He tries to... Refocus our attention. He wants to distract us from the task. He wants to distort the truth. He wants to take truth and make it a lie and take lies and, and make it a truth. And then he wants to discourage the team. He wants to work in our lives and, and just get us to throw up our hands and say it's not worth anything at all. Because it's much too Nehemiah chapter 6, he wants to distract from the task. In verse 2, we read that Sam Ballant and Gershom sent to Nehemiah, and he said, Come, let us meet together at Hapakurim in the plain of Ono. Now, Hapakurim is halfway between Jerusalem and Samaria. It's about a 25, 30-mile trip. And what they wanted to do is they wanted to get Nehemiah to leave what he was doing. And they wanted him to come over so that we can discuss what's going on. You know, talk is cheap. You know, it's real easy to get together and pool ignorance. And that was the tactic that was being used here to get Nehemiah to turn from what God had called him to do. You ever get distracted in the the work of the Lord? You ever have something go wrong and all of a sudden you're just up in arms and say, boy, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. I mean, after all, the projector doesn't work. How in the world are we going to learn anything? Are there people coming in and out of this place all the time? How can I pay attention and so you get together and you talk about it. You don't solve anything. thing. You talk about it and off you go. It, it happens to us, doesn't it? And that's exactly what Sam Samballot and Tobiah and Gershom were, were trying to do to Nehemiah. If you can't whip them, join them and then take over. That was their attitude. Now I want you to notice that Nehemiah Understands what's going on. Verse 3. I sent them messengers saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it and come down to you? Now, Nehemiah didn't say, I'm great, I'm too important. I can't mess with you little people. What he did say was, the work of God is too important to get sidetracked. What I'm doing here is going to have eternal consequences. And therefore, I am going to stay by the stuff. How important is the work of God to you? Is it something that you do just when it's convenient every once in a while when you don't have a better offer? The work of God is the most important thing that will ever take place in our lives. Now, the work of God has a lot of different areas of emphasis, right? We should do the work of God in our families as we bring up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We should do the work of God at our jobs as we live out our testimonies, so that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. We should do the work of God in our recreational activities. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We should do the work of God among His people amidst His assembly as we grow together In grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Nehemiah says, the work's too important. The work is too important. I can't come down. Now, I want you to notice something here. Verse 4 says, and they sent to me four times in this way, and I answered them in the same manner. How many times does it take for you to get discouraged? How many times does it take for you to give up? I want you to know something, that Satan's plot is to pound and pound and pound and pound and pound and put obstacle and obstacle and obstacle in your way. Four times, Nehemiah resisted what was going on. And he said, I cannot come down because I'm doing God's work what God has called me to do is much more important. Now, how do you combat this? You focus. You focus. There were three things that Nehemiah focused on. He focused on the truth because he knew they were lying. He focused on the greatness of the work because he knew his God. And he focused on the knowledge that cooperation would bring defeat. When you start to get distracted, focus, refocus, focus. Keep the main thing, the main thing. What has God called you to do? What opportunity has God given you? What venue do you have? Keep focused. Isn't that what we're told to do in Hebrews chapter 12? Wherefore, seeing we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, laying aside every weight and the sin that doth so easily beset us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What did he do? Who for the joy endured the cross, despising the shame, was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Focus. 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 Yesterday I had the privilege of being in Ann Arbor with 109,000 of my closest friends. The Wolverines won the toss and elected to defer into the second half. Ken Babbitt was there. Ken, make sure that this account is accurate. I went out and met Ken and he was very disappointed that I was not wearing something that would symbolize a loyalty to the University of Michigan. I had on a yellow and white poloed shirt. That's as close to maize as I ever get. Wolverines kicked off. They played the Oregon State Ducks. No, Oregon Beavers, thank you, Oregon Ducks. Oregon State Beavers, thank you, Ken. Kicked off. The Beavers took the kickoff and marched it down the field and scored. The second possession, the Wolverines had the ball. They threw an interception. The third possession, the Beavers fumbled and the Wolverines got it back. And at that point, the Wolverines started to focus and never looked back. Is that accurate, Ken? When you find your and my son-in-law who is sitting next to me said could not have been a worst start after the Beavers scored and then intercepted pass for this first game held in Ann Arbor this year. When you find yourself with adversity, focus. When you find yourself troubled, focus. When you find yourself beat up and in the battle, focus. On what God has called you to do. Not only is the conspiracy to distract us from the task, the conspiracy is also there to distort the truth. Look with me, beginning in verse 5. In the same way, Sam, Sam Ballot, for the fifth time, sent his servant to me with an open letter. Now, this would be like a letter that was written to the editor in the local newspaper. They took this letter and they they hung it where everybody could read it. This was a public declaration of what somebody wanted to share. Verse 6. In it, in this open letter, it is reported among the nations And Gershom also says it. That you and the Jews intend to rebel. That is why you were building the wall. And according to these reports. You wish to become their king. Notice. It's reported. Gershom endorses it. He says it's true. And by the way. According to these reports, you want to become the king. Statements like it has been reported and they say have caused a lot of different problems in local churches and ministries. In every organization, there are gossip mongers hovering like vultures just waiting for tidbits of slander they can chew on, swallow, and then regurgitate. Someone has anonymously written, gossip is nothing more than news that you have to hurry and tell someone before you find out it isn't true. They were distorting the truth. They were slandering Nehemiah and his work. You ever had anybody slander you? speak evil of you, put you in a position where you're no longer innocent until proven guilty. You're guilty because this is what's been reported and somebody else is validating that report. And after all, we see you're building the wall. Why else would you build the wall except you want to be king? And you want to set prophets up who will be civil governors to rule over these people. You want to place yourself in a position where you can control what's going on in Jerusalem. You ever have that happen? I have. And how in the world you defeat somebody who's just spewing stuff? You defeat them by being forthright you see what Nehemiah did here look with me at verse eight then I sent to him saying no such things as you say have been done you're inventing them out of your mind the only way to defeat that is to stand up for the truth stand up for what is right and let God be the judge and that's exactly what Nehemiah did. I think it's interesting that verse 9 says that their whole goal was to frighten them. Let me tell you something. When somebody is slandering you, speaking ill about you, it's scary. Because it's, he said, she said. It's your word against them. And how do you deal with that? the world do you take a stand and come out on top you speak the truth and you speak the truth unapologetically you know it's really easy to get disorientated when you find yourself in that situation because you're getting hit from all sides and you don't you don't know where it's where they are that's firing at you things get closed in and things get dark you ever get up in the night and stub your toe why you do that because it's dark and let me tell you when people are distorting truth about you it's dark so Nehemiah is forthright about what's going on in his life and in verse 9 he prays I think it's one of those foxhole kinds of prayers where he says oh God strengthen my hands God help me to know what's right and to do it regardless of consequences I think it's important for us to understand how these are working together we've covered two already all right? as you look at being distracted from the task and distorted from the truth and discouraged by the team, you're going to find pretty quickly that there are three challenges. There's negotiation, there's incrimination, and there's isolation. And that's how the enemy works. Let's look very quickly this this morning about the isolation, discouraging the team. Verse 10. And when I went into the house of Shema. Now, we are not told why in the world Nehemiah went to Shema's house. We don't know. I mean, he wouldn't go out to the plains of Ono, because the work was too great. But somehow he ends up at Shema's house. Now, we learn a little bit more about Shema in verse 12. And I understood and saw that God had not sent him, that Shema, but he that he had pronounced the prophecy against me because of Tobiah and Sambal. Remember them, because they had hired him for this purpose. He was hired that I should be afraid and act in this way and sin, so they could give me a bad name in order to taunt me. Nehemiah goes up here, and Shema says, Nehemiah, I'm your friend. I want to do everything I can to protect you. They're out to get you, bud. The only thing that that you can do is you can go into the house of God and stay there because it's a sanctuary. It's a place where they can't get get to you. It's a place where they'll leave you alone. It's a place where you can live out your life and, and where you can not be afraid anymore. And what does Nehemiah say? I can't do that. Should I run away? Should I go just to protect my own self? Uh, Should I put myself in, in that position where I'm no longer effective? You know there's a time to fight. Paul said to Timothy, stand up and fight. The, the good fight of faith. Understand that we need to make sure that we are in the battle to win. Ever feel like you have a conspiracy against you? I have. And God uses all kinds of things to encourage my heart and satan uses all kinds of things to discourage my heart you find that to be true the reality is that god is greater than anything else that his work is greater than anything else and we are more than conquerors through him that loved us amen so this week if you find yourself in a position where you're distracted or where the truth is being distorted or where you're even discouraged, understand it's just from the same old, same old, same old kinds of things. And that our God is greater than all. And the plot that Satan would use to defeat us is only a plot that will affect us if we let it. Are you still in Nehemiah 6? Most of you shut your Bibles already because you thought I was coming to a conclusion, didn't you? Let me just read verse 15 for you. So the wall was finished. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? The wall was finished on the 25th day of the month of Elah In 52 days. And when all our enemies heard of it, all the nations around us were afraid. And fell greatly in their own esteem. For they perceived that this work had been accomplished with the help of our God. Amen. It's all about the work of our God. And it's all about doing the work of our God for His honor and His glory. When I was a kid, we used to sing a little chorus. Dave Spear, you'll remember this, chorus. Are you downhearted? No, no, no. Are you downhearted? No, no, no. Troubles may come and troubles may go. We'll trust in Jesus. Come wheeler, woe. Are you downhearted? And we used to whistle that little tune then. Yeah, okay, you got it. No, no. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word, truth for our lives. Help us to keep pressing on toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.